A lot of you guys have seen me around. Some of you, this is the first time you've seen me. Especially like our new guest, Albert. Like, who's this guy? Um, I kind of thought maybe start off a little bit about who I am. Kind of like where I've been and kind of break the ice a little bit in that area. I am a native of the Northwest. I am from Renton, Washington. is a little suburb outside of Seattle. So those of you who are from like Chicago, it's one big city. Um, made up of thousands, a bunch of other little cities. Some of them are hard to pronounce, like Squim or you have Puyallup. And then, but I am from the city of Renton. Um, which will tell you today, even though I do not like football, I know some people are like, that's like teeth sucking. Um, I just don't enjoy it. But I will be rooting for the Seahawks, or we, saw, we like to call the Sea Chickens. Um, we will see if they can maintain their name, or we will dub them Sea Chickens for yet another year. Um, I have lived all over the United States. Uh, my parents, uh, my dad worked in retail, so we moved around a lot. Um, he was really good at his job. I have lived in Oregon, California, Idaho, and Nevada as a youth. Um, as an adult, I've lived in Illinois, and I've also lived in Massachusetts. I also moved, almost moved to Australia. Um, it wasn't for immigration. They told me no, so apparently I wasn't good enough for them. So, But so, the Lord said, stay here in the United States. And um, a year ago to the date, almost, to the weekend, I was told that my, tr- my position has been removed. I worked at Central. Um, we had, uh, there were some changes in leadership, and myself and a few others found that leadership decided to go in a different direction. And I was, I hit life, or more like life hit me. Um, and I was really confused. I was hurt. I was confused. Um, and all I could really do was to fall back um, on the one thing I knew, which was God's promises. And I looked upward. And I prayed. And I was like, Lord, you know, this is an opportunity. Obviously, you're moving me. And I will trust you. And if I, my prayer all the time to you is send me. Well, send me. I can sit here and pout. Um, I had someone here that goes to this church. I'm very fortunate. Um, it made me promise that, um, that I would attend church the next weekend somewhere. They said that you cannot disconnect, you cannot disengage, you need to promise me you will not do that. And I was like, at the moment I was like, okay. Took a couple deep breaths, I said, sure. The week went by and it's probably pretty late on like Saturday and they call me, it's like, so where are you gonna go? Well, can I come with you? <laughs> can I come hang out with you? She said, yeah, come on. Um, the first week in here was really um, a bit of a culture shock for me when you go to a church of 20, 30,000 to a church of like 50. Um, it was a bit of a shock. And the thing is, I will be in all transparency, I thought I knew a lot. I had a really big head. I was you know, a young man, and I was like, yeah. Um, and I really learned in a lot of ways, guys, I want you to hear from my heart. You have taught me a lot about leadership. You've taught me a lot about myself. You've taught a lot about who God is. And you've shown me that what God's promises look like when they're together. When you put all those pieces together, when the Lord says you can put them together, and then you actually do it. It's kind of amazing to see what happens. I, like Dean said earlier, I am still amazed on what our food bank does. That is Jesus breaking the bread not once but twice, but a hundred times over. I have no idea how it happens. I still look at it every single Tuesday when I'm here, and I'm just like, I have no idea how this happens. But all I know that you, Lord Jesus, make it happen. And it is awesome. Um, but... Um, that being said, um, we're going to be reading um, from Second Kings um, chapter 2. So everybody stand and we'll read from God's word. That's 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 19. In the New King James Version it says, Then the men of the city said to Elisa, Please notice, the situation of the city is pleasant as the Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. And he said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of water and cast in the salt there and said, thus says the Lord, 
I have healed this water. From it there shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day according to the word Elisha, which he spoke. Father God, we just want to thank you for today. And we want, of course of all, thank you for your word and this church. I pray that um, our hearts are open to you, that um, your word is planted upon fertile ground, that it sprouts and grows and radically alters our life. Not only that, I pray for open minds. Um, It's so easy, Lord, to fall back into our own knowledge, our own fleshly abilities, and not on the supernatural ability, the source of all things, which is you, Lord Jesus. These things we lift up to you in your powerful name and are available to you today. Amen. Amen. Um, Anybody who spends time with me, um, A, I spend a lot of time with students. Um, A lot of youth is my passion area, is where the Lord consistently brings me back to. It's kind of like the place I lick my wounds. Um, It's the most area I'm most comfortable with. Um, So please bear with me. I'm with adults. It's a little different to me. Um, So just please bear with me in that area. Um, Also, you'll know that I love the Bible. And as a leader, my biggest prayer for me is, Lord, help me teach people to fall in love with this as much as I love this. Like, it is a huge goal of mine because this is the root and the source of all communication outside of the Holy Spirit. And this is so important to our lives. And I just wish uh, I could make you fall in love with it like I do. Um, not only that, I am a bit of a nerd. I love the Old Testament. And I know some people are already like, oh, and I'm about ready to say something that's going to even drag you even further. Two of my favorite books are the sets of Kings and Chronicles. Not just one, of, but all of them. I know, and some people, when they read the Bible through, that is the area they run into, and they're just like, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> you've got these names are floating around, and then you've got these numbers floating around, and your brain's just like, whoa, what is all this? Um, I enjoy it. I know that Obed is Jesse's dad, and David, I mean, Jesse was David's dad, and I can go through that whole line. That is interesting to me. I am nerdy. It comes with the territory. Um, and this, is, um, this story and this passage has really been risen up over the year for me, not once but twice, a good at least a handful of times that random people have brought this passage to me. And the interesting thing about this passage is that just before it, the biggest chunk of Kings 2 is the end of Elijah's ministry. And um, if you don't know that, Elijah is Elisha's mentor. In a lot of ways, Elisha spent a lot of time with Elijah, um, just kind of like the disciples spent with Jesus, just doing life with him, traveling around. And in the verses above, we see that Elijah is ascended to heaven. And it's really easy to skip to that and go straight to verse 3, which is Moab rebels against Israel. And in your brain, you miss this little section of important text. And this is one of the things that reminds me that all the scriptures inspired by God, or you go to all the students, um, all of it. Even some of the, pay attention to these things, these small things and looking into the parallels. And so Elisha performs his first miracle in this. And um, the men of the city, and, um, and the city is Jericho, said to Elisha, please notice that the situation in this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. I can picture Elisha sitting here thinking, it's pleasant, but you have bad water and barren land. It's a little weird. Um, we see this in the world. We have friends, we have coworkers that are not saved, they're living in the world, and they have pleasant lives. And some of us sometimes even easy to slide into this mentality to be jealous even or envious of some of the things that they have, even though their land is barren and their water is bad. Not only for that, but it happens to us spiritually. We can get into a place like where, you know, our spiritual disciplines fall off to the wayside. Things are good. They're not amazing, but they're good. And the water becomes bad and the land becomes barren. Um, 
I have learned with students that um, a lot of times just speaking, I don't want to be just like their everyday English teacher, chemistry teacher. Sometimes demonstrations help. And I am a demonstration guy. Um, A lot of ways, as a new believer um, in Christianity, we are like this cup. We are filled with water, and in the very beginning, when we accept Jesus into our life, we are pure. It's crystal clear, and it doesn't smell funny. Um, It tastes good. Ah, desert top water. Um, It's good. And um, the Lord blesses that. And just like this spring, um, stuff happens. I am do life just like you do. I am no different than you, that I am not exempt from the rigors of life. And um, fancy word, the, you know, the curse of Adam it still applies to me. Um, the earth frowns upon me sometimes. I do not have a green thumb, even though I'm from the Northwest. Um, stuff happens. And stuff happens to our water that's in our cup. An example is like when you're a new Christian, I know this is really easy. Um, you think about the people that led you to Christ. Eventually, they'll fail you. And then what happens is a little bit of mess ends up in your water, right? And then, oh, they didn't play that song you liked or someone is sitting in your favorite chair in service. Turn that around, yeah. Oh, no, they're changing the parking. Oh, no, and I can't read the font on the board or, you know, the shuffler is on the playlist. And then and you get home and then all of a sudden, Dean's ever experienced this. Oh, no, my freezer doesn't work. What's going on? <laughs> Oh no, four flat tires, how'd that happen? And then if you're fortunate to have a job, oh God forbid you have a job. Then you got like, oh, my manager. Oh, my people I wait on, because I'm a food server too. Or the people that we are expected to pay to wait on. And then what happens is, our glass gets a little murky, right? The water is bad and the land is barren. This happens to us. I think a lot of ways this passage is not necessarily like speaking just like Elisha did this great thing. And I think this is a direct message to us. It is okay to admit that the water is bad. I as a leader have times, sometimes have to admit the water is bad. My land is barren. It's good. I mean, pleasant. I don't want to drink this though. Right? Does anybody want to drink this? Trayvon's like, yeah, but he's, he's going into junior high. They'll drink anything. Um, so, It's true. The thing is, is that we as Christians, we are all called to share God's word and his hope, his love, and his mercy. The Great Commission says we are to share it with all creatures. The thing is, I don't want to share this with anybody. I don't even want to drink this. Smells like breadcrumbs and water. Thank you, food pantry. If you're missing some breadcrumbs, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, And it's really easy to get into this position. It's really easy to get into this place where life happens. Because the thing is, this cup isn't just going to drain itself. Eventually, it's going to evaporate all the water out because we live in the desert. And that happens, give us about three or four days, this cup will be empty. And all on the bottom will be all these fun little breadcrumbs hanging out on the bottom and other fun stuff I just happened to throw in the pantry, some salt and what have you. And it all sits on the bottom. The water is bad. Some of us today, including myself, need to admit the fact that the water is bad. No matter what happens, I, can, I will sit here and tell you one of the few things I can promise you, sooner or later you will hit a point in your life, the water will get bad. End of story. You can't change. It's one of the natures of humanity. One of our, the water will get bad and the land will become barren. 
The good thing is we don't have to stay that way. And this is why I love how Elisha continues on with these people. The city, fine city of Jericho. So he tells them, you're right, your water's bad, the land is barren. So do this. He says, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. And I can imagine being a leader. You invited this guy in and he does all these great things. And, you know, you're expecting smoke and that's what fire from heaven. And that's what, you know, Elijah did. So that's what they're expecting. And all of a sudden he tells them, bring me a new bowl. And I know they're probably thinking, okay, bring your new bowl. And then he says, I want you to bring me some salt. And in today's world, it is kind of hard for us to imagine the value of salt compared to back then. Because we have scientific processes now that we can pull right out of the ocean. Salt is common. Back then, it was not so common. Salt had more value most of the ancient times than gold and then silver. To the point even the Roman Empire realized to keep the loyalty for their troops, they paid them in salt. They didn't give them gold. They paid them in salt. I know today if my employer brought me blocks of salt, I might look at them a little weird. But in his day, you know, he told the city, bring me a bowl, and I want you to bring me the most valuable thing that you have in your world, which is salt. But more importantly, he says, a new bowl. My mentor taught me long ago, and what she taught me two things I think is really, really sticks in my head. And the first, one of those is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is insanity. Going through life, doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results is insanity. We do this. I'll be the first person to admit, I've done it many times in my life. And the Lord told me, it's time to change. New bowl, stew, new bowl. And throw some salt in there. And I'm like, okay. And so Alicia says, awesome. So he takes this bowl and then he says, then he went out to the source of water. I'm pretty sure he did not go out by himself. I picture him holding his giant bowl. The food bank has this big metal bowl. So all enough, every time I hear bowl now, I picture this giant squat, super wide bowl. And he's got it in his hand with salt in it. I picture the city leaders falling behind him like, where is this guy going with our salt? <laughs> like our land is barren and the water is bad. And I can picture their brains are just thinking, what is going on here? Um, and a fun tip for reading the Bible, I tell students all the time, picture the Bible when you read it as a movie. It's okay. Picture what is going on. Put some visuals to this. I picture his bowl. For some reason, I picture being metal. I don't know why. It's because the food bank bowl has ruined me for life. Um, this giant fruit bowl. You know which bowl I'm talking about, Michelle, right? You're laughing at me because it's the hideous thing, but it is huge, and it is the best. Probably if that bowl disappeared, the food bank would collapse. Um, so they go out there, and the, he says, so he stands on the edge of the spring, and he says, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water for it. There shall be no more death and barrenness. He takes the salt, and he heaves it into the spring. Um, anybody who's from the Northwest, um, I know water very well. Uh, a little thing of salt, even a big food bank sized bowl of salt would be not enough to stop bad water. And I'm pretty sure when I think about it, when I look at Alicia and he hefts the salt in there and the city's like, you just took a whole bunch of valuable stuff and threw it in the water. Blink, blink. Um, I just think of you, I'm going to be very honest. I think about this and I was like, okay, different. Um, but he, then he says something that they would know. Anytime the Lord speaks to people or through people, through prophecy, I mean, through prophets or through messengers, always starts off with, thus says the Lord. That instantly guarantee their lights aren't, all right, I feel a million times better about this. And he says, the, I have healed this water for all, it shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. 
So let's come back to our cup here. I need my other, my other utensil here. Our version of salt and water. So we have our cup here. I am pretty sure all of us have been here before. I was here last February, looking like this. Lots of hurt, lots of questions, lots of breadcrumbs floating in my water, some salt and pepper, thinking, wow, this is no good. If I am supposed to be a leader, and I would not drink this of myself, I would not drink this. I can't expect you to drink this either. Elijah says something really, really important that is the key to this which is to go to the source. Not only the source of water, like the wire, but the source, which is Jesus and the Holy Spirit, which is our judge. He is a never-ending pool of water. It is told to us in John 4 that it is a spring that bubbles up within that if anyone drinks of that water, they will never be thirsty again. We live in the desert. We know thirst. I think we probably know thirst better than any other set of Americans, maybe except for our neighbors in Arizona or other people that live in the desert. We know thirst. When my life looks like this and I am thirsty, it's not a good place to be. Looking at this, I'm like, I don't know. I'm thirsty, but I'm not. I am no longer thirsty. Now look at this. And our lives are able to get this way. And what happens, how do we go to the source? That is a really good question that we all need to ask ourselves. And I think the source comes back to four basic concepts. The first one I told you, which is my love, my love for the Bible, spending time with that, reading it, learning it. I understand it's intimidating. Some of you feel that this book has jaws on it and will bite your hand off if you get near it. I get that. One of the things I didn't say in the first service is that um, people who really know, I am incredibly dyslexic, not inward, but outward. I have to go to extreme lengths when I write to make sure the letters stay in the right places and numbers go in the right direction. And um, whoever invented algebra and advanced mathematics, I could really hurt when you start putting numbers and letters in coherent patterns and hope my brain can keep them straight. Um, but I will promise you, despite that, no matter who you are, if you pick this up and read it with an open heart and an open mind, the Lord will reach you. And what will happen is a little bit of fresh water will get into that spring. Just a little bit. Get that process started. Not only that, but praying of a spiritual discipline is the area I'm the most weak in. So it's kind of ironic that I'm saying this. I have to go to extreme lengths to remind myself to pray by setting alarms, leaving things on my pillow. So when I get into bed, I'm like, oh, did I do this? I write on my mirror. So right when I get out of the shower, that's the thing I see. I'm like, pray. I got written on a tile on my thing. I have to go to extreme lengths. So some of you are really good at this. Awesome. Jealous. But pray. That is your chance to communicate with the Lord. And he will communicate to you. And you're doing the third one, which is attending church. Um, in the ancient world, in ancient Greek, or what's still common Greek today, um, the word for community is a oikos. And oftentimes the word for church is that word and the other word ecclesia. But a lot of times it's used as oikos because it's community. The word means literally everybody that you do life with. That includes your family. Your family's part of your oikos. Your neighbor is part of your oikos. You guys are part of my oikos my family, my church. I do life with some of you. Some of you do life with me, and I feel sorry for you sometimes. Um, and that is the third. And the fourth one is serving. And Dean kind of talked about this. I remember when I really started feeling alive was when I started serving. Because what happens is when you're serving and stuff is coming out of your cup, 
you naturally instantly have to start putting it back in because eventually every leader does this. You will hit empty and realize, huh, God put something in this for I can start pouring out again. Serving is important. Every one of us is wired differently with different gifts. I love hanging out with junior hires and high schoolers. Some of you, that makes your skin crawl. Some of you love to hang out with infants. I don't have a kids, and I mean, maybe one day the Lord will bless me, but it is not a, an area I'm instantly drawn to. Some of you are. Some of you, like TJ, are gifted with the ability to stand in front of a congregation and to, to share his poetry. That takes courage. And... Um, that's hard. But number four really ensures you're doing one, two, and three, which is reading, praying, and attending, going to the source. And what happens is, is when you go to the source and it starts pouring into you, this process starts beginning a purifying process. And sooner or later, as you keep pouring in, of course, now you're pouring out, and hey, look, clear wire's coming out now. Yeah. And now we're back to where we started pure intent. It's clean. doesn't smell funny. There's a little bit of salt down there, but you know, a little salt never hurt anybody. It's valuable. And I'm willing to drink from this. And I'm willing to share this with Dean. I'd be willing to share this with Michelle. I'd be willing to share this with um, Adrian in the back. I mean, that's what I'm called to do. This is a cup I would want to share. It is pleasant, but the water is good and the land is good change things. And speaking of the word change, I hate the word change. And the reason why I hate the word change is because change means you can change again. I can take this water, throw it in the freezer, and it is ice. And then I can go, okay, let's throw this on a pot and this block of ice and put some heat under it, and it'll go back to water, and it'll turn into steam. And if I'm really crafty, I can put a little vent over and turn it back to water again. Um, Change can happen over and over and over again. I hate change. Change is lame. Changes doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. I like the word transformation. Butterfly cannot, as much as it wants to, go back to caterpillar. Cannot. Flower cannot go back to bud. Or even the little green thing. Oh, that's bud. Yeah, I was right. Um, You just can't change. You can't go back. You can't transform. You transform again, which is also good. Um... So when we look at this story, there's three things that I think that we can really walk away from. Three lessons. And the first one is, in life, it can be pleasant at the same time with everything being bad and barren. There's two messages here. Some of you, I understand, life is rough. And it can be pleasant. Don't stay there. Make some of those transformations in your life. One of those great ways, and I know we rave about this as a church over and over again, OSL will radically teach you forcefully, it's like boot camp, these basic core principles of reading, praying, attending, and serving. Ironically, which are all four things that the class requires. Um, The Bible also kind of talks about fruits a lot, the fruits of the spirit. I don't want pleasant in my life. I want peace. I want joy. I want love. I want all those other ones. I want that for my life. And the only way you can get that is by making your water good and your land not barren. And you do that with new bowls and salt. A lot of you have tried many different things. I'm going to tell you, I guess a promise I can think of is 
commit to some time. Either it be three months, six months, or a year. I promise you, if you commit to that time, the Lord will transform you into something new. Life will look a million times different. Life will look like this nice, clean cup of water here. You're right, it will never be perfect. There will still be a couple breadcrumbs in there. Um, but it will happen. Um, and salt. Um, salt is purifying. That's why the Bible is so important spending time at church to hear these promises. But what happens is it starts to filter the stuff in your life. Instead of looking, if you go out to your car and you see, oh, four flat tires, or in my situation, when all of a sudden the Lord says, Stu, I no longer want you in this field, I'm moving you, forcefully, <laughs> um, you're not like, I'm going to sit here in the pouty despair box forever. Because he doesn't want us there. And I chose at that time no, I'm not. I'm going to cling to what I know. I know this Bible. I know its promises. I know its words. And they're for me and I can own them. And not only on top of that, I can expect them. That is the thing I most learned from this church is I can expect those promises. I don't have to sit and pray, well, Lord, if you make it happen, yeah. Uh-huh. Just, just this one thing I ask. No, I can have all of them. Salt. And then lastly, go to the source. And the source for us is Jesus Christ and the Lord. The world will tell us there's a million other different sources. Those are all resources. And a lot of times I'll tell you that if you rely on resource, resource will not clean this out. Resource will actually put stuff in the cup that does not belong there. The Lord never called us to be reliant on some of the things that we rely on. Those three things, going back in reverse, go to the source, go to Jesus Christ, spend time with that book, spend time in prayer and make this time on Sunday or if it's Wednesday or if it's Sunday night, whatever it is, make it a priority. In the Northwest, we all know we are accustomed to totem poles and everybody always thinks the top one is the important one. That is not true. The bottom totem is the most important. And it's funny how that lines up with God's word. Build your house on the rock. That way when all this stuff happens, it stands. That is a wise man, is what um, the Gospel of Matthew explains. I want to be that person. I want to have that source. And a new bowl. You can't expect new unless you're willing to do something new. And I think some of us here, it's really easy just to get set in our ways. Just do the same thing over and over and over again and wonder why stuff's not changing. You have to do new things for new things to happen. Um, There's a concept in the Bible called the law of reaping and sowing. If you plant carrots, what's coming out of the ground? Carrots. And I think a lot of times we look down there like, why don't I have celery? I want celery. And then you're looking at them like, what'd you put in the ground? Carrot seeds. Well, that's good. So why are you expecting celery? Um, that is my prayer to you. If you want carrots, plant carrots, which is a new bowl and salt. And lastly, the first one, stop coming to me. That's why you take notes, which is um, the water is bad and the ground is barren. It is okay to recognize and admit that. It is a daily process. We thought times in the Christian world think that it is bad to say, my land is barren, my water is bad. Guess what? All of our 
ours is. Be able to admit that. Share that with your community. Let them work through that. That's what that says prayer time is for. Because through that process, you become more dependent on the source and then the new bowl and the new salt. And before you know it, things start moving so fast. You're like, how did I get here? I love this. And you will be transformed and you will not go back. And that is Elijah's story. His first miracle. Very, very relevant to our daily life today. You are Jericho. You can either decide to ask the prophet, the capital P, want Jesus to clean your land and make your water good, or you can choose not to. That is a choice. As much as I wish I could make it for you, I can only exemplify my own life and offer up my own cup. You know what it looked like a year ago. You now know what it looks like today. This I can offer you right now. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you for today and um, for your word. And that, Lord Jesus, you, there is no land too barren and there is no water too bad for you. There is nothing beyond your reach. And, Lord, I know that I believe in a God that does not have short, stubby fingers. Continue to reach into my life, not only mine, but those that are here today, and our church. Mold us, shape us, and grow us into the mighty men and women that you've called us to be. Help us cling on to your word to communicate to you daily and to make sure that we are here learning and growing and that we do not have a cap on our learning. First, through learning that we grow closer to you and we cling to you. I continue to pray for Dean and um, his leadership, that he continues to lead us well with wisdom and discernment. And not only him, but the rest of the leaders that are here that call this church home and pour their lives into this soil. Continue to break it for us, continue to shape it for us and to pave the roads before us. Let us be a shining beacon to our community that we may offer hundreds upon hundreds of glasses of clean, pure water that we can offer that people will be never thirsty again. These things we pray in your powerful name, Lord Jesus, and all that you did on the cross for us. And everybody said, amen.